Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a good football show. My name is Pac Terrain. Today we are going to be doing a rookie mock draft. To do that, I am joined by Graham Barfield of Fantasy Points, Evan Silva of Establish the Run, Kyle Dvorak of NBC Sports Edge. Guys, how's it going? Doing well. It's uh like we're we're basically at the are we in like the final week of reacting to the draft content? I think we're catching the tail end of that. Well, and this will be it. I think if anyone produces any more draft content after us, like we have to uh, sort of file some grievance. Well, Best Ball has made a play on this week. Best Ball, you know, we got uh, Best Ball Mania 3 dropping. uh, The timeline is full of Best Ball content. But this is a dynasty week, guys. Give us this one week. We're going to be doing Best Ball all summer. Uh, Maybe this will be the last major content we do on Dynasty. But, uh, Graham, Evan, you guys excited to draft? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you uh, gifting me the 101. It's uh, it's an honor to be uh, off off the top, man. Good. Well, I Leone, think Mike Leone and I uh, and uh, Anthony Amico, we already did one of these, and I had the 1.02, and I'm getting it again. So I, I, I know, I know where I'm going here. Are you going to diversify? Right. You going to diversify? No, no, I'm not trying to diversify. I'm going all in. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> you know who diversifies? People who are wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm team zero hedge, man. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. I know. What are we? What are we just auto drafting here? Let's uh, let's apply our our edges. If we don't have edges, what what are we even doing? Graham, I wanted to give you the 101 because I think this is an interesting uh, decision point, you know, and, and your expertise is really with running backs. And this is a, a decision point with do we take the running back or do we go with one of the very talented wide receivers here? Uh, Kenneth Walker, you know, was see the number one running back in the class pre-draft maybe, but it's much harder to make that case now. So it seems like it's coming down to Brees Hall versus a wide receiver. Uh, if you want to kick things off here. Yeah. What is that decision for you? In a one, by the way, we're doing a one quarterback format here, and we're going to go one round. Yeah. Well, I mean, man, if we did super flex, I don't even know if we draft a quarterback if we did super flex anyway. Yeah, so, would have changed. Yeah, one hundred one's real interesting, man. I, um, you know, before the drafts, I did a couple rookie drafts. I think uh, you're probably in a couple leagues with with those guys, Pat and you too, Evan. I had Kenneth Walker at one, Brees Hall at two, and I thought it was real, real close. I think the gap is a little wider now with Brees going to the Jets. And I agree. I think Drake London's firmly in that that conversation as well. But I'm going to go ahead and just take Brees Hall. Uh, I think the scarcity of the position just makes so much sense. Receivers, not crazy deep this year, but it's really good. You know, Brees is a true three-down player. They didn't draft him at, you know, early in the second round to give Michael Carter a a big role. I think he's just going to be a, be a change of pace back. And Brees Hall is a, a true three-down player. He can win with speed, power, elusiveness. 
Uh, I think he's going to fit right into the Jets scheme that, you know, they're going to run zone heavy. That's just, you know, that's just the coaching tree they come from. And Brees can come in and take, you know, 12, 15 carries week one, five or six targets. And, and we're going to feel real good about his workload real soon. So I, I'm just sticking with scarcity, going with Brees, going with a good player. Uh, but I would not besmirch anybody who takes Drake London at this spot either, or frankly, Traylon Burks too. Well, I guess I am going to diversify then because I'm going to because I took Brees Hall in that draft that I mentioned with Leone and Amico at 1.02. Was Amico and, uh, 101? Yeah, Amico was 101. He took when you Drake said you London. got Brees Hall at two, I was like, well, I can tell you who was one then. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, Amico loves him some Drake Drake London, and I you know I like Drake London too. I mean, I my comparison for him was Allen Robinson. I think he's a player that can win inside and out I, I i did not see him quite as much as like the mike evans that that level of comparison but i i, I did like him as in the michael thomas allen robinson somewhere uh, on on that sphere and i think he steps in right into right away into a huge target share in atlanta i mean you look at the rest of that wide receiver core it's probably you know worse in the league um you know, uh, besides him, obviously they have Kyle Pitts. They're they're trying to build a basketball team that I think they're trying to make up for uh, their quarterbacks to some extent. Their quarterbacks' inaccuracies by getting guys with wide catching radius radiuses. You know, that was the knock on Desmond Ritter uh, coming out, who they drafted in the third round. Um, but you know, just you know, to I, I don't want to go too far into this. Like number eight overall pick in the draft, young stud. Instant producer. I mean, I think it's it's pretty easy that Drake London is going to be a top two pick in the vast majority of dynasty rookie drafts. Yeah, I think this is the chalk opening unless you want to like and this will be the chalk top three. I think the top three within all leagues will be varied based on what style of receiver you like or if you need receiver or running back. But I will take Traylon Burks at the 103. I could have seen him going as high as 101. I could have seen him going as low as 103. And I don't think you should have anyone outside of these three players inside of your top three. You can't really complain about which one you get. Traylon Burks, like a super different style of receiver than someone like Drake London, but steps into a very similar team in terms of the overall targets available. Uh, Robert Williams certainly a good role player he would be the number two on Atlanta but that's really all you can say about this team that is now just like Des Fitzpatrick and like Austin Hooper picking up targets so overall a massive target share available for him maybe overall a slightly I mean definitely a less uh, pass heavy team in the Titans but Traylon Burke's ceiling is just sky high with how physically dominant he looks I think the only risk, and I know Pat will like yell at me for saying this, is he does have a little bit of that like schemey college profile we saw with LaVisca, but he's just so much more physically gifted, I think, than LaVisca. So I, I'm excited to get him at 103. I also wouldn't have minded either of the other two before me. Well, Kyle, I tend to agree with you uh, in, in most of the stuff that you said uh, at the beginning there, but I'll tell you what, the YouTube commenters below our draft with Leone and Amico, they think that Kenneth Walker should be a chalk pick at two or three and they are vehement and they think we're stupid. Um, it's funny how confident people who wrong tend, who are wrong tend to be. It's strange. Yeah. I mean, they, well, it's funny how confident they are in something that is, you know, it's not easily predicted, you know, and, and, and especially while, I, and we'll, we'll get to Kenneth Walker. Um, will we? When someone, when someone event, will we, <laughs> when someone eventually takes them. But uh, the, I don't know. Is is that the mainstream feeling out there, though? I mean, he's I, the one hundred two. Is what as far as what I'm seeing in Superflex ADP is the one. Oh, interesting. Okay, I, yeah. I got to get in the mock draft and real drafting streets then, because I feel like we have it right. But uh, you know, as I just made fun of the YouTube commenters, also 
people like me who think they're right also tend to be overconfident. So yeah, and I, I won't I won't uh, take any issue with what you said there about about Burks being a bit schemy. Um, that's certainly the biggest concern. But I like the fit with Tennessee. I mean, it feels like they're not going to be trying to overthink it and like draw schemed up touches like they're going to be mostly utilizing him on play action stuff I would imagine and and probably transitioning him to an outside wide receiver which is like that was the goal that was the hope that maybe he can get there it's not like a sure thing that he'll eventually turn into that it's a bit of, of a projection but I think uh it's certainly worth the risk Graham with with Hall before I make my pick I just want to ask you about yeah. the the workload stuff because Connor Hughes had a point um in his depth chart breakdown for the athletic saying he thinks Michael Floor basically is philosophically committed to a committee. Brees Hall, though, very talented. Is he is he talented enough, especially as a receiver, where I think he he strikes me as like good, but not necessarily amazing. And Michael Michael Carter is obviously quite good as a receiver. Like, is he talented enough to dictate that to say I'm this is my backfield now? Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is one thing. I, I talked a lot about before the draft, like Brees Hall is a very, very good prospect. And I never understood the analysis that, you know, people would put him in the upper echelons of JT and Najee Harris and Saquon Barkley as a prospect. He's just not that type of blue chip player. Um, you know, all of those guys were plus receivers, especially Najee. Uh, JT is, you know, one of the most prolific inside runners we've ever seen. Brees Hall is not any of that, but that is not to say he's not a, you know, he's he's a bad player by any stretch. Uh, not to get too deep in the nitty gritty to answer a question, but like for as good of an athlete as Brees is and as many good things as he does on the field in terms of uh, just raw athleticism, I thought for a player of his caliber, he missed too many holes and frankly ran into the back of his offensive lineman just a, a few too many times. Now, granted, Iowa State's offense, offensive line was, you know, by no means a juggernaut. He actually had the worst offensive line in the class by my numbers. But that being said, uh, Brees' vision is not like anywhere close to some of those elite level prospects. And yeah, I don't think he's going to come in and be like, okay, Najee Harris is going to get 23 touches. Like we felt good about that in week one. Um, but I, I do think, you know, he's going to be the clear cut 1A. Like Michael Carter, my, Michael Carter talent wise is just not even on the same spectrum as, as Brees Hall. And that's, I'm not, you know, breaking any ground by saying that, but I, I think the, 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 the talent gap between the two will dictate uh, plenty of touches in Brees' way. I have some super flex drafts that are deeper while probably will go wide receiver over him. But I, I think in like the one quarterback leagues like this, they tend to be a bit more running back focused. I'm with you on on Brees. All right, I'm going to go Garrett Wilson at 104. Kenneth Walker's going to have to wait to hear his name. Honestly, Garrett Wilson, to me, belongs in the tier with Burks in London. But from like a dynasty perspective, we're now in a situation where he probably has to be really good. And his profile suggests that he is really good. But he actually has to be that guy to have a strong rookie season where I think Burks and London can get away with like being okay and having really strong rookie years. And it's like eliminating something I have to be right about is always nice. And so if I can just like be half right about a Burks or London and then potentially trade off them, if I'm not impressed, but they were still decently productive, you know, that's a great option to have with Garrett Wilson. You're, you're not necessarily gonna have that option. If he's, if he's kind of a middling type of guy out of the gate, Elijah Moore and Corey Davis are going to be able to get their targets, and it, it could be a pretty bad rookie year. But Garrett Wilson really checks all the boxes. He's a little smaller than I like, 183 pounds, but he's fast, so that's not like a major red flag. 
he was productive. He broke out. He has good career numbers. He played with incredible uh, college teammates. You know, Jameson Williams was on the bench most of the time because they were playing Garrett Wilson ahead of him. And they're in the same year. So it's like really tough to, to say that there's any major issues with him. Just the rookie year production uh, might not be as strong. So feel really good about getting him at the 104. Yeah, I would too, guys. We're going to find out real quick if Zach Wilson's good or not. Like they, they are freaking loaded, man, loaded. Uh, and, and Pat, I think I'm with you, man. I think uh, I think Garrett Wilson's in that conversation with with London and Burks. I, I feel real like you said. I think he's laid it out perfectly. You know, you're going to feel real good about London's volume real quick. Uh, but Garrett Wilson, I, I think, is is the better overall player. Uh, all right, I'll do it. I'll stop the skit 105. <laughs> um, look, man, I you know he crushed in yards created. Was number one in this class by far. In yards created per attempt, uh, number one in this class by far in missed tackles forced per attempt. Obviously, the big question that everybody's you know knows about is is you know his passing down profile. Only caught thirteen balls. I watched all of them, and just like anecdotally, he was a good catcher. Like he caught just like the little like you know he caught the ball away from his um, you know caught the ball away from his body, didn't let it get into his body. He caught it in stride. You know they didn't really do too much in terms of you know designing passing plays from him. He was just like swing clap passes and dump offs a couple times, maybe a couple screens. So it's not like he was Christian McCaffrey out there, but I think he was an adequate catcher. Obviously now we got to figure out what the hell the Seahawks are going to look like this year. I mean, they could be real, real bad and, and be in a ton of bad game scripts. And, you know, we could be looking at Walker getting 12 carries or Rashad Penny getting 10 and it kind of being gross. But for a player of his caliber, I comped him to a, a smaller slider Joe Mixon in terms of play style. Uh, and I think he he makes a great long-term bet for the Seahawks, but it might not be as productive as we we wanted in year one. Yeah, I think the case against him is that, you know, he – although and I, it's nice to hear, you know, that Graham liked what he saw um, from Kenneth Walker as a, as a receiver in the limited sample. And also, I don't know, the, the, the scouting industrial complex um, apparently came away from, like, watching him in practice catch the ball or – whatever, you know, they, but, you know, so I, I think that there maybe are some signs, but they also don't throw the ball a whole lot in Seattle. They don't throw the ball a whole lot to running backs. They don't throw the ball, you know, as a, as a philosophy. Um, and I'm worried about them being bad for a long time, which would also work, uh, work against him. I don't know. I, I took uh, Jahan Dotson over him in the uh, Leone Amico draft. And uh, so one of the commenters called me a boomer. We're taking John uh, <laughs> over Kenneth Walker, and look, I am a boomer, but that—that's not good evidence. I mean, you're—you're you're the boomer if you're the one taking the the Seahawks running back right over the wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, and plus, you don't have like an OG Rotoviz uh, shirt. <laughs> well, uh, the, the age that you had to go back to to get the OG Rotoviz—that would also make you a boomer. Rotoviz has <laughs> been around for a while. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I love the I, like the the fear. Not that like he doesn't get a lot of, of work, especially as you project out, you know, once they probably like, cut Chris Carson and then once Rashad Penny's contract is up. But the fact that they're just a decrepit franchise, that we yeah. really see how much Russell Wilson has carried this mediocre to below average team to good seasons for like a decade. I do think there's like a very systemic risk that this is just a bad team that you don't want fantasy pieces of for like five years because yeah. they're they're building that way yeah, so i think are. this is a fair spot but like i i love i think that's the right concern to have and then, there's this, narrative almost... going, and then there's this narrative going around that they're like actually trying to tank 
which actually makes no sense because their head coach is uh, like 70 years old. The and they player. like tried to get Deshaun Watson. Like, no. the, this they're is not, not true. Like, this is not, not a true narrative. They're not tanking. They just regret the Jamal Adams trade. That's the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're not tanking. There's bad. That's, that's if they're not tanking and they start true lock, then I mean, I actually I wonder if you have Kenneth Walker if you're rooting for a Drew Lock bottom out season. Because if they trade for Baker or Jimmy and they like keep themselves out of, you know, the, the top five picks. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. it's like and they keep Carroll, like that's the mm-hmm. worst case scenario. You need this team to just complete they gotta land the one oh one with Drew Locke leading the way. And then maybe you have a new regime year two that will throw to the running backs. But but yeah. then the new regime didn't draft Kenneth Walker. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's just like a lot of ways for this to go wrong. And so yeah, yeah. yeah that's why that's why I, I'm I'm cautious about him. I, I love Jamison Williams here as the next pick out of Alabama. You know, to me he would be the actually he would be the wide receiver two behind Drake London to me, just based on watching these guys. I mean, the guy was a prolific touchdown scorer in the sec i mean i think that if he would have run then he would have ran like four three flat i mean watch him play like this dude is incredibly explosive there was a lot of talk before the draft that there was no true number one wide receiver in this draft and i know that from a size standpoint jameson williams doesn't you know fit right into that prototypical um, number one receiver but I, i think that from what i've seen He's going to be a lot of fun to watch play uh, in, in at Ford Field. I mean, he's going to make a ton of big plays, and I don't. And I think he's going to be ready sooner than than people anticipate. I mean, by all indications, his recovery has gone well. Um, I think yeah. the Lions are a team in ascent, um, and I think he's going to be a big part of that. Um, Jamison Williams, just a, a big play specialist. When I watch Brian Robinson, Evan. Every single time they ran a deep crosser with Jamison Williams, like it's an automatic 30-yard gain. And this isn't like Henry Ruggs where he's just got one speed and he goes. He knows how to throttle up. He can get in and out of his cuts. He can throttle down. Like he knows how to use that speed to his advantage. And once the Lions get a quarterback, man, like that, that their, their weapons are unbelievable. Like how much would Aaron Rodgers give right now to have the Lions, oh the Lions weapons right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I'll yeah. just jump in here. There goes my pick, and I don't really have to say much else. I love everything about it. I think the big concern, the way that we say, like, I, I really I, I love Traylon Burks as a prospect. The scheming stuff is what you're concerned about. I love Jameson Williams as a prospect. It's the size. We don't see guys hovering around 180 be like alpha number one receivers. You also don't see Alabama receivers putting up 1,500 yards and blowing up SEC competition with that incredible speed. So, like, there's a reason he falls this far. But I also love that uh, hey, I, pointing out. Didn't Evan just take Williams? I thought Evan took Walker. No, I took no, Walker. Uh, yeah, yeah, Graham took Walker, and I took Jamison Williams. But oh, hey, I, I, I love to you talking fun. on my pick here, though, bro. <laughs> I got <laughs> yeah. pick that. Just casting <laughs> it up. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. I, I was Evan Spot. thing I was going to say is I couldn't do it here. I can do it in my actual next pick, which is, what is this, like 106 or 7 or something? 107. Sky, yeah. Sky Moore. I, I, love, I love Sky Moore. I, I think Sky Moore. He's stealing all my guys. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I It's weird. I do have a, a spreadsheet pulled up with some notes, and one of the tabs in the spreadsheet is called Karain Rankings. I'm not sure why I have it called that, but uh, <laughs> that is what it's called. No, I, I mean, Sky Moore, the, the reason I would have probably still taken Jamison Williams over him is because the Chiefs did have two chances to take Sky Moore and were willing to at least play the market game to get him with their third pick, which came in the second round. So I don't think like draft pedigree means something and where a player is, is taken means something. 
But when you look at his profile, it just has elite elite analytics profile. He's not the biggest receiver, but we're also moving away from the age of the number one receiver being the 6'3", 220 guys, as evidenced by the previous Chiefs number one receiver, Tyreek Hill. And we also see Sky Moore win in ways that make me not concerned about his size. He's just physical, plays like a much tougher game than his felt size would tell you. So I think having the chance to be Patrick Mahomes' number one receiver is why you take him here. Of course, there's inherent risks, but we're at the point at the uh, 107 that like the risk is totally worth the squeeze here. I saw JJ Zacharyson uh, comp him to DJ Moore, and now I'm like even more excited than I already was because it is it's kind of an interesting setup here where you know he's been talked about as a slot receiver, but you know he can play on the outside as well. And Juju Smith Schuster, I don't think can. So if they're going to have Juju out there, Sky's probably on the outside. Yeah, um, and I think it's a bit like a DJ Moore sort of situation where he's going to be playing on the outside. He's not great deep downfield, but he's really good in the intermediate areas and he's good shallow and he's great after the catch. So I think, you know, that kind of player archetype with Patrick Mahomes is really, really interesting. Really? I, I don't understand what the bears were thinking uh, at number uh, 48 when they took a safety over Jaquan Brisker. I mean, I'm sure he'll be fine. But taking Jaquan Brisker over Sky Moore with, with their wide receiver core. And, and, <laughs> they I mean, were thinking if we draft Sky Moore, we might have to stick with Justin Fields. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The, the conspiracy theories are, are rampant right now in Chicago. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real quick. I don't think Gillis Jones is going in this draft. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> jumping back to the Chiefs, what do you guys think about like just their overall plan? Like, you know, we've seen Tyreek Hill and Kelsey get these massive target chairs and they just be super concentrated. Now it seems like they're going to do the complete opposite. Like Kelsey will obviously get his normal like 25%. But just in general, like it's it's been real interesting to see them go away from, you know, just having these two alphas. And now, you know, they're going to start spreading it out more. Uh, you know, who do you guys think is going to be the top target among the receivers? Because I, I genuinely, you know, it's May 4th. I haven't. I'm trying to figure out my best ball projections. I have no. I think idea. it could be Sky Moore, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that, that's, that's why we're taking him so early. That's why we're being we're taking him over actual NFL first round picks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like we saw, they weren't comfortable using Michael Hardman in more than like a fifty percent role when the other guys to compete with him were Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson. So it's not mm-hmm. Michael. Juju is a good player, but he's good at the thing he does, which is catch short passes out of the slot. And Marquez Valdez Gantling will probably be very efficient, but he just doesn't draw targets. His role has never drawn targets. Maybe yeah. he gets an expanded role. They gave him a lot of money. They gave him like thirty mil, or at least the full value of the contract. So maybe it could be MBS, but it takes a projection from what we've seen from MBS to yeah. becoming something different. And we don't see this deep into a player's career. Often a player becomes a whole new thing. So to me, process of elimination, you better believe him at Sky Moore. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking Sky Moore for targets. I I think there's a case for Marcus Belzis Scantling for like Whopper, you know, which factors in air yards. Sure. Um, you know, he's going to have a deep a dot. I think it was like 17 something last year in Green Bay. So he'll get plenty of air yards, but uh, targets and PPR scoring. I, I like Sky. All right. I will go with Chris Olave. Kyle, you mentioned draft position being important. Uh, I get some pretty nice draft position here. And I'm not usually drafting the, the seniors, but like Chris Olave, I mean, he would have been a second round pick if he came out last year. He goes back, you know, now we get him in the first and. He was competing with Garrett Wilson, with um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 
uh, a guy who's probably going to be the number one wide receiver next year. Jamison Williams was unable to get on the field because Chris Olave was kind of doing what Jamison Williams does to some degree, you know, a bit more of the downfield guy. So uh, it's not the best landing spot in terms of, you know, the type of offense we saw last year. But maybe Jameis Winston gets to be a little bit more aggressive with Michael Thomas back. Like, I think Thomas coming back helps Olave in the sense that maybe the offense just moves towards the pass a little bit. And, like, natural regression would kind of help move them towards the pass, given where they were last year. Um, although the defense is good, and they probably do want to kind of play grinded out if they if they can pick. Did you guys see the Austin Gale tweet, Austin Gale of, uh, of PFF? The New Orleans Saints essentially traded picks number 98, 101, 120, a 2023 first rounder, and a 2024 second rounder for Chris Olave. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize it was that much. Did they have like a, the, a compound trade to get up to that spot? Oh, because they, they traded up for that spot, right, with the Eagles? Yeah. yeah. How yeah. is that even possible? They essentially traded up twice. Yeah. You okay. know, be, okay. Because they did the deal with the Eagles. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a and series of trades that all lead them to this. Yeah. You better for, be good. For Ohio State's yeah, number two be. receiver. I mean, Evan, this is like a continuation of what we've seen from the Saints for years. I mean, they gave up a yeah, lot. Yeah, I know. Well, that's they the thing. You know what? They have had success doing this. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what quite to this extent, though. They did trade two first-rounders for Marcus Davenport. You remember that? And Davenport's yeah. been a stud when he's been healthy. Yeah, they've been really good drafters for the most part. So, yeah. like, you understand their mindset. But, like, the yeah. things we know about the draft say that, like, they're probably running hot. They, maybe they have a better framework for analyzing yeah. players, but I don't know. They seem to be running a bit hot right now, and if this blows up, we will certainly be clowning them for it. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it'll blow up, though. Like, sure, Olave's sure. going to be a player. I just wonder if he's kind of more of like a number two guy. I, I would. It would surprise me if he ends up being worth that package. I mean, he has to be so yeah. good. But you know, but I don't think it'll be like a, a Rager type of of blown pick. Pat, oh, did God. you comp, comp? You have like you know just a list of general comps. These are the types of players. Uh, did you have Emmanuel Sanders in that cohort? Yeah, I feel I like you did. Not, he I thought be, that one clicked to me. That that's kind of my upside comp for him. Is he has like an Emmanuel Sanders type? And Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, that that's a pretty good outcome for a wide receiver. But you know, I don't know if I. would if the hope is Emmanuel Sanders, I don't know if I'm giving those picks up. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, the lobbies, a, I, I thought it's a good fit, but, you know, hearing Evan lay out what they did give up in compound is kind of crazy. Uh, all right, so I'm back up. Yeah, I'll go Christian Watson, uh, boost him up the board. Rodgers finally gets a receiver with some draft capital behind him for the last couple of years. Our Greg Cosell from Fantasy Points uh, in his prospect guide, his comp, for Christian Watson was Marquez Valdez Scantling, 6'4, runs like a gazelle. Obviously, you know, the concerns with Watson are, are pretty clear in terms of production. You know, they just didn't throw the ball at all. In that offense, he's gonna have to meld with Rodgers, all of the above. But I mean, in terms of opportunity, in terms of draft capital, um, you know, I'm by no means a receiver scout. I kind of just stick to my strengths with backs. And when it comes to receivers, I'm looking for opportunities, I'm looking for good long-term quarterback. And Christian Watson fits those both to a T. I got to say, I mean, man, if you got like the 102, 103 this year, I would love to trade that back and like turn your like, I don't know, split your split your tens, basically, because I think this this range through here, like all these receivers we've been naming off here in the back half of the first round, like, you know, maybe. Yeah, sure. Chris Olave is just a really good two. Maybe Christian Watson's a really good two. But like these guys are immediately Sky Moore too. like these guys are immediately, in my opinion, stepping into 
really strong target shares from week one and uh, Watson and, and more, you know, obviously have quarterback on their side too. So I, I bump, I bump Christian Watson up quite a bit in my rookie ranks. The people uh, at the table say you're not supposed to split tens though. You, you, you take that, you take that win, right? You well, take that 20. I'm, yeah, no, see Evan, this is why I always lose my $500 every time I go to see <laughs> murder. That's why. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Blackjack podcast. Uh, Evan, where are you at on Watson? I, I think he's classic boom bust. I mean, yeah. big receivers that play small scare me. And he didn't dominate against um, – I mean, he dominated like from a, a, a big play standpoint. He made a lot of big plays. But he didn't dominate – in the ways that you would expect a big receiver to dominate at the FCS level, and that's scary. And could that frustrate Aaron Rodgers? Like, Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Aaron Rodgers just signed a long-term contract. You know, look, Christian Watson could be the number one receiver for Aaron Rodgers for the next four years. Like, that is within his range of potential outcomes. You know, I also think that what's within his uh, range of potential outcomes is that Aaron Rodgers could get frustrated with a player like this. You know, coaches can get frustrated with a player like this. So I I, I think that there's, I don't know, I guess there's a median where he is just straight up Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, But I I think that there's a low floor and and a high ceiling. He's he's a tough guy to um, confidently project, but I think where you took him, he's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you're picking in the back half of these first rounds, you know, I know I I said I like this range, but – you know, we're looking at 45% hit rate in this range anyway. So I'm swinging for the fences with these receivers. And I think, you know, I think Sky, I think Watson, all those guys are, are slightly boomer bust, but you know, I want to bank on quarterback and roll. I just want to say on, on Watson, like if you're, he's the type of guy where, because he's boom bust, I think sometimes like I have a tendency to kind of go, Oh, well the bust part really scares me. I want to, I want to be out, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers turned like James Jones into a fantasy viable receiver, so <laughs> he doesn't really have to be that good. Like he can be MVS plus a little bit more, and all of a sudden, it's a yeah. huge hit. So, not the kind of guy I want to be taking a stance against. Yeah, in the industry, we call this better in a best ball. Is the phrase and you might hear tossed around <laughs> to this guy a little bit. I'm up next now, I think, and uh, I have James Cook. At this point, we're pretty much done with receivers. I think have a shot at being their team's wide receiver one. Wait, isn't Evan up? There's no way I jumped again. Evan, I believe Evan, you, you could just go ahead and take James. Cook. <laughs> you traded up, Kyle. Did, did Evan not just take Watson? <laughs> no, Graham took Watson. I took Watson. Yeah. There's no yeah. way. All right, well, I'm going <laughs> to head off this show. I think it's because we have one person say who they take, and just everyone goes in, and right. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm sure we're having a conversation somewhere. Uh, Evan, if, if you take uh, take who I'm taking, we'll have a problem. Otherwise. No, 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 man. Uh, I just we just I traded down with you and I picked up uh, <laughs> next to fourth. <laughs> oh, dude, you could have gotten more than that. <laughs> yeah, because we're not even taking fourth in this. I don't think we're just going three rounds. Well, sure. You know, what? I'll go. I'll do my spiel on James Cook. We're done yeah. on having like probably three down backs at this point. But if we can get like one and a half to two downs of Buffalo Bills running back production, especially if it's receiving production, because we know that's what they want. They were supposed to be taking Travis Etienne last year. Etienne even said he thought he was going to the Bills at some point. We know they wanted J.D. McKissick. And then right after the draft, Brandon Bean said they think he's their sub-package back. They think he's similar to J.D. McKissick. And he posted a really good receiving line in the SEC. So to me, if you can just capture a percentage of the carries and a good chunk of the Josh Allen targets – that's certainly worthy of like a top 10, top 12, you know, first round dynasty pick. 
Graham, do you see him as a guy who can like take over the Devin Singletary role in a year or two? Nah, nah. He's you know he's a very very athletic player. He's second in this class in yards created per attempt. Super efficient. Obviously, he can. Uh, you know, he ran actual wide receiver routes, you know, like that's a big misnomer that I hear in a lot of like running back armchair scouting is like, oh, this guy runs routes like a wide receiver. Not like James Cook actually did that. And he did that well against good competition. Uh, but no, he's just super undersized, man. Like, you know, he's 195, but he looks smaller, you know, and he kind of plays smaller too. So yeah, I, I loved that fit. I remember looking at it in like in March, the Bills had him in for a visit. I was like, damn, it'd be super sick if they, I mean, that's like the perfect spot for him and he'd wind up going there. But yeah, I always think he's going to be like an eight, tw- eight to 12 carry kind of guy. And then obviously all the passing down stuff. So to Kyle's point, yeah, I mean, sure. You're done drafting bell cow potential here for sure. But uh, you know, there's a couple of years where James Cook has, you know, like, you know, high end RB2 upside for sure. All right. And I'll right, go with Jahan Dotson then. You know, I, Leone and Amico hate him. Um, JJ Zacharyson really likes him. I think he's got a chance to catch a ton of balls in Washington. There's just not a, a ton of competition. I, I mean, I love Terry McLaurin. His contract is going to be coming up real soon. Um, but, I mean, there's still a ton of opportunity there in the middle of the field. Why can't Jahan Dotson be that guy? You know, talk, why, why did Jahan Dotson, the number 16 overall pick in the draft, I need to get your guys' takes, why did he fall here to the end of the, of the first round? Because I have him ranked in the second round. I almost made that joke. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all Wentz, man. Like, just major, major question marks with Wentz. Major question marks about what this offense is going to look like. I think they're going to go run heavy. Um, and McLaurin's still an alpha. Jahan Dotson's an awesome player, though. I mean, he's he's. I, I That's thought, not what a lot of people think, though. A lot of people think he stinks. Really? I don't think he. I don't think he stinks, but I All think right. he's like. Uh, I think he's like an outside wide receiver who's not necessarily a deep threat. He doesn't have elite mm-hmm. speed. He's got. Yeah. I think he ran four four three. The he wasn't used. He wasn't used as like a major deep threat, though. He like he wasn't like the KJ Hamler type. So, right. but he also didn't play a ton yeah. of slots. So he just has a weird like his body. He's an, under, he's an he, undersized normal outside receiver. Yeah, the, yeah. The comp I've heard is Deontay Johnson. And Deontay Johnson's ability to draw targets is has been pretty uncanny in the NFL. Yeah, that would hurt to be if where I have him ranked. If he's Deontay Johnson, it's gonna hurt. I, I mean, that's I've been be thinking of him as Darnell Mooney. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's partly why I'm okay fading because I'm like, if he's Darnell Mooney, Darnell Mooney's the number one wide receiver for a team right now, and no one cares. He's not getting drafted. Like, he's, you know, I, I checked it out on the Dynasty League football tool. He's like worth, you know, uh, I think the 208 in Superflex tight end wow. premium, which yeah. is like after where Dotson's going. So it's like, yeah, you could take Dotson, get a couple years of production, and, you know, he holds his value. That's not a bad outcome, but I'm just, He's 178 pounds. I don't think he's going to put on a ton of weight, and he's not that fast. So I, I, it does feel like the ceiling, you know, isn't necessarily that high, even if even if things break right situationally. But if he's Deontay Johnson, that that's going to look like a bad take. Yeah, I mean that's an ups, It's an upside comp for Deontay for sure for him. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, I'll uh, I'll close this out here with George Pickens. I was actually hoping someone else would take George Pickens so that I could talk about someone else that I wanted to take. But but this is who I would take uh, if I was up what, at the 112. So Pickens, um, it really just comes down to being recapture his, his freshman year form because he wasn't that great as a sophomore. And then he tears his ACL before his junior year. Uh, and 
basically, I think he ran 32 routes in his entire junior year, really just showing that he was healthy um, or getting back towards healthy. And then he had a pretty decent combine and he gets decent draft capital. So teams seem to be optimistic that he can get back to that form. It's a crowded situation in Pittsburgh. But Deontay Johnson's a free agent after the year. I think Kenny Pickett's like not that great, but maybe he's good enough to support, you know, a number one guy. And Pickens does have the ceiling, I think, where, you know, he's a downfield type of weapon and he was so good as a freshman that if he can recapture that, he would dictate things. I think he would potentially be, you know, at the clear number one over Claypool if Johnson's gone. He does probably need Johnson to go, though. Yeah. I mean, anytime I hear uh, that the Steelers are high on a wide receiver, like I just bump them up in my mind because they, they have the wide receiver algorithm. They also have the diva wide receiver algorithm, which Pickens might fit that that build too. But yeah, I, I mean, Steelers have been like home run after home run with the receivers and Pickens could, could certainly be another one. Where do you think he plays this year? Does this mean Claypool's in the slot or is Deontay in the slot? How do they I, see the field? I hope it's Deontay in the slot. Because he's kind of been that shallow A dot crosser guy anyway. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's him and he can just like Hoover 95 balls this year. And then they let, you know, Pickens do his thing at X and Claypool play Z. I think I think that's what they should do, but uh we'll see. I mean, they've got some good skill guys, man. Fryermuth, Najee, I mean, it's it, that's a real yep. good you know, if Pickett if Pickett is like high floor but low ceiling, like sixty-five percent Mac Jones last year. I think the Steelers probably count that as a win, and I think their offense will be a little better than we expect. Greg Cosell likes Pickett. He like really likes Pickett. Yeah, yeah, he likes he's Pickett. Ready to play? Yeah, Dan yeah, I mean, Brugler, Brugler like Pickett too. Yeah, he's he's solid. And Ben was bad last year. Ben is, is it was almost completely yeah. useless just throwing yeah. all these dump offs to Deontay, which like he wasn't that great at either. It was just that he had a good receiver who can vacuum up targets. I don't think Pickett like I think he probably caps out like a Kirk Cousins, but like. Imagine Pittsburgh's Kirk Cousins last year. They would have been sick. They would have been a really good offense having and now adding Pickens to that mix. Like this should be a solid offense, even if it like is never going to achieve incredible heights under Pickett under uh, Kenny Pickett, which is probably accurate. All right, so we we finished up uh, one round, but uh, let's talk about the quarterbacks in one quarterback leagues. Obviously, in superflex leagues, Pickett has a lot of value, but does he in one quarterback leagues? And is 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 Malik Willis the quarterback one? in one quarterback leagues where like if you're drafting one of these guys, it's because they're actually going to be starting over someone like uh, a Jalen Hurts or like, I've got a team that has Herbert and Justin Fields in one quarterback. Like I don't need Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Like what's the, like for most teams, like what's the point of in a one quarterback league only is where we're taking this conversation. Like what type of value do you gain? Assuming Kenny Pickett hits a, a reasonable Kirk cousins, you know, Ryan Tannehill, good fringy QB one, but never giving you these like giant weeks and not doing it for a sustained level of time. That player just has so little utility, right? Whereas if Malik Willis turns into like even Jalen hurts, right. Who still has his flaws as a passer, but hit, like he led the, the league in every quarterback rushing stat last year. That is like game changing upside from a quarterback that like, if you're throwing darts at quarterback and one QB, you only want game-changing upside. Having the 10-year veteran just isn't useful. Where would you guys take stabs on Willis? Is he like a late third-rounder like he was in the actual draft? <laughs> and, one, and one QB, man, I think the, the depth of this group is at receiver. And you could make easily a case for 14 or 15 receivers over, mm-hmm. uh, over Willis. Uh, you know, Alec Pierce, Jalen Tolbert. Uh, I'm definitely taking some of those guys in like, you know, the – wide receiver 13, 14, 15 range over 
over Malik Willis and one quarterback. Obviously, Superflex changes everything because the ceiling is still the same for Malik Willis. Uh, his floor is just so, so much lower. Um, by the way, I, I w- want to get your guys' theory on something. I was talking about this with the guys this morning. What if the Titans stink this year? Like, they go yeah. – f- what they are they so well good. They are so thin everywhere. Offensive line, D line, corner, they're thin. Receiver, they're super thin again. Like, man, I mean, they, they could be real bad real quick, in which case we, we could see uh, Malik, maybe not this year, but I think 2023 is, is in the realm of possibilities. They can get out of Tannehill's deal in 2023, too. If they're eliminated from playoff contention, we're not seeing Malik Willis for two or three games at the end of the year. Here's the thing: the Jaguars are still in the AFC South, Pat. So <laughs> they're going to win at least two games in the AFC South. Probably win two more against the Texans, so they'll they'll flow for eight or nine wins. But yeah, it's it's so great. funny. That's the thought I had too. It's hard to bottom out when you play the Texans, yeah, exactly. the Jags, and the Colts are the best team in your division, other than you by a country mile. The Colts aren't that good of a team, so it's hard to bottom out. But I mean, that's only six games of your 17 game season, so it can still happen. Yeah. Nick says in the chat that uh, David Kitchen took the Titans to win the Super Bowl. So there is still some uh, some optimism for him out there. I think it's just one person, though. I think he's the only one. I think he takes them to win the Super Bowl every year. <laughs> I'm sure he does. So I wanted to ask uh, Graham about Damian Pierce because I just bet him at 50-1 to 1 to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, what do you think? That is a sexy bet. Yeah, I like that. I might snag that when we get off here. Good call. Apparently, uh, if, you li- if you line shop, you could get it at 66-1 to 1 elsewhere. I don't know. For the nerds, you know, for the nerds. Uh, well, so, uh, you can lay down the big box. You're just taking the first lines you see. I mean, that is <laughs> you don't You don't care about 16 points of juice. Let's be honest. Exactly. You can eat that 16 points of juice. Nah, Damian Still Pierce not is not crying when he hits 50 to 1, right? No, 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 no. You can't cry about that. No, but Damian Pierce is awesome, man. I have no idea what that floor staff was doing. Uh, we've got a long-standing track record with Kadarius Tony, Van Jefferson, guys that they misused. Um, I mean, it, it was unbelievable, you know, watching full games, just charting full games of Damian Pierce. Like, he would rip off a 12-yard run, and then you would not see him until the next quarter. It just was mind-boggling. But, um, yeah, he can win as an inside runner. He's extremely tough, has great contact balance. Uh, good hands, extremely aggressive in pass protection. Like he has a three down skill set for sure. Um, but then it just comes down to like the Texans love to have a four man rotation. They're a Patriots clone. You know, they want to be the Patriots of the South. So I'm still trying to figure out what Pierce's ultimate role will be in like year one and two uh, in terms of rotation. But as a player, I loved him. I, I comped him to a, like a Kareem Hunt, like a lower tier Kareem Hunt in terms of Ooh, body size, the way they win. And measurables. If you look at their measurables, like it's eerily similar in terms of height, weight, speed. Um, and they're both great contact balance guys. Not super home run hitters, but really, really good. He's, two, he's 224 pounds. He can break tackles. He can catch passes. Yeah. He scored a ton and, of and, touchdowns. You know, yeah. And, he yeah. And he's, um, you know, his competition is Rex Burkhead. You know, I mean, yeah. I was like, why not? You know, what if Davis Mills takes, you know, a step this year and, uh, you know, the Texans all of a sudden are, you know, mediocre and he's getting some positive game script and he's catching passes and, you know, he's he's getting spelled by Rex Burkhead. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe you're coming on here and besmirching your guy, Rex. Uh, who would you turn into, Evan? I, this, I know, this, is, this is your boy. Damn. 
I mean, let's be real. Like he's. <laughs> <old>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, Levitt Sam won all the money with though. With I know, that's right. I know. Yeah, you can't, you can't take against it. the Chargers, right? I mean, God, everybody could run on the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Our buddy Davis Maddock put in an eighty to one bet, offensive rookie of the year on Rashad White. Want to get your guys' thoughts on him? I really like Rashad White. I mean, you need like Leonard Fournette to get hurt, right? Yeah, yeah, you probably do. Which he has been known to do, but. Yeah. They gave him a sizable deal. They brought back Giovanni Bernard. I mean, ninety to one though. You're, I'm not discouraging anybody, you know. Yeah, no, it makes sense. If four if Fournette gets hurt, Rashad White's ceiling is is awesome, obviously. But yeah, I think Fournette's still a bell cow. They brought back Gio to your point, Evan. He's going to play a little role. Um, Gio was hurt all last year. He dealt with a number of injuries. I think they wanted his role to be a little bit bigger than what it was. But yeah. Um, I'm not seeing the upside case for Rashad White unless Fournette gets hurt. And, you know, they did give him – they did – for the running back market right now, they gave Fournette a good a good chunk of change. With his receiving profile, I mean, he t- he jumps out in the numbers. Um, yards per out run off the charts. Uh, did you see that, Graham, with him mm-hmm. as a receiver? Yeah, real good receiver. He was one of the two guys like James Cook um, that, that actually ran receiver routes and ran them well. Uh, he led the class in yards per route run by a mile. Uh, I think he's like top three in missed tackles force per route run. I just don't know if he's that good of an inside runner uh, for his body frame and or his body type and his frame. He sh- I thought he should have been uh, much better through contact in terms of contact balance, but uh, I don't think he's super powerful and someone that, you know, like you want to give a bell cow role to, but if you want to give him a niche role, kind of like James Cook, you know, eight, 12 carries, a couple targets. I think he's that kind of player. I think the thing is, too, a lot of people comp him to David Johnson, and David Johnson's rookie year was really strange because he was, like, strictly that sort of niche type of role. And I believe his first ever career touch, if this even technically counts as a touch, was a kick six, right? He takes kickoff back to the house. And it's that these players who have these niche roles, if they are as talented as sort of we want to maybe pin uh, Rashad White as – just their touches alone can raise their dynasty value so quickly if they are as efficient as we think they can be. That ultimately means he still has to find even that niche role, which maybe Giovanni Bernard pushes him out of. Because we did have like a, like a 10 target, I think, Giovanni Bernard game, and then he was hurt within three weeks or whatever. But if he does carve out the niche role and is as good as we think he is, the efficiency could send his dynasty stock skyrocketing, even if he doesn't go out and get, you know, 180 carries or something. Uh, who else is kind of the best of the rest here? The the guys that you're like excited to take in round two. I, I would nominate David Bell. I would nominate Tyler Algier. Uh, I would nominate uh, Isaiah. And that's about it. That's, those are the two guys at this point that I'm excited about um, that we haven't talked about yet. Any, anyone else? How far are you from taking a tight end? I think Trey McBride's receiving profile. If yeah, we're like a year away from Zacherts finally kicking the can, uh, like if he gets in like a number one every down role for uh, Arizona offense, he could get just a ton of targets. I mean, Zach Ertz got a ton of targets last year, and he's Zach Ertz. So if we get within a year <laughs> or so a full time role for McBride, I know it's tight end and it's not tight end premium. So we're kind of you know we're kind of kicking the bottom of the barrel for this one two turn area, but like. His receiving profile is incredible, and it's a good offense to get him funneled targets. Maybe not as a rookie, but even still, they also don't seem like Rondale Moore that much. So maybe they just play him in that kind of 50% snap role, and we get some immediate tight end two streaming type of production. I like uh, uh, Romeo Dubs as, as a sleeper uh, out of Nevada. Caught a ton of balls there and went to Green Bay, where we just talked yep. about you know some of the limitations that Christian Watson might have. 
Romeo Dubs, like, I don't know where he's going in rookie drafts right now. I would guess, like, maybe third, fourth round turn or something like that. Um, and then – That's right, yeah. I think that Matt Corral in Superflex is really interesting because I think he's going to play in yeah. year one, and we're gonna, and he can run. And um, I don't know, he reminded me a little of, of Tony Romo. He had a great season this past year. And Sam Darnold, I mean – Sam Darnold Sam needs to go to ther- he needs to go to therapy or something. I mean, he, he needs to <laughs> just take just take some time away. You know, re- <laughs> men men will literally play quarterback for the Carolina Panthers instead of going to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> he he started seeing those ghosts, man, and that was uh, that was it. Oh, man. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a, yeah, he's a head case. I, I, I think he, I think Corral's coming in real real early. I I do not get why people are taking Desmond Ritter ahead of Matt Corral. I like Corral mm-hmm. better as a prospect, and I think Corral's got an easier path. Matt Rule could be fired if he gives like Sam Darnold five games, right? Like he is so right. much on the hot seat, yes. he like gutted his staff to save his own job. If they try and trot out like even half a season, they will get crushed because Sam Darnold is not good, and that team is not that good. Whereas at least bringing in the the rookie backup quarterback, maybe it doesn't work out, but it gives him a chance to save his job, which he will probably be in a position that he needs. When they put out the odds for first quarterback or first coach fired, I mean, Matt Rule is going to be top five, if not top three, if not top one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I had no Urban, to mind is the, I had Urban last year to be the top head coach fired, and Gruden completely ruined that. One and Urban. Yeah. Urban was uh, a generational first coach fired. Oh. <laughs> and for him not to pay off. Yeah, that, that's true. Have we talked about Isaiah Spiller yet? I know, like, we're probably not getting a, a big role for Isaiah Spiller really for a while, but like, he fits that sort of Rashad White profile. He can do a lot of things well, and it will probably require an injury ahead of him. But I know, like, like Graham, were you interested in, in Spiller at all? Not as a Week One producer, but like as a profile player. Uh, I got to be honest, no. He was okay. third percentile all time in yards created per attempt. Um, yeah, I, I, I did not see Spiller. I thought he played slow. And the, the combine and his measurables kind of backed it up. So, I mean, he didn't run at the combine, but he had really bad jump scores in terms of percentile. He ran 4.63, I believe, at his pro, ta- pro day, which once you adjust for that, it's closer to 4.7. Uh, Chargers have a history of taking bad running backs on day three. They love it. They they love their they love their mediocre backs on day three, and I think I think Spiller is just another one of those long line. I think he, he's a better prospect. He's a much better prospect than Joshua Kelly, but I don't know how much that really says about about Spiller. Yeah, the way you describe him, I was like, oh, it sounds like he'll fit in perfectly in a backfield with Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly. Just a the spinning yeah. image of also like slow, grindy guys. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think he, he's, an, he's an upgrade on those guys, but not okay. like a humongous upgrade. Yeah. Eckler also under contract for two years. So you can you can kind of talk yourself into like handcuff for two years and then maybe Eckler's gone. But it's like, okay, but are they not drafting another running back in the next two years? Like they're Tony gonna- Pollard, but if he was never really that good anyways. Yeah. What about Ty Davis Price and Algier? Because I I've seen some stuff on Twitter like you know Davis Price is getting overlooked, uh, third round pick, Tyler Algier only a fifth round pick. I am one of the guys who's taking Algier over Davis Price just because I really like Algier's profile. Uh, in my write up, I called him you know day three Derrick Henry. The Falcons are clearly trying to be the Titans, but the JV version. And so I think you know in that mold, Algier makes a lot of sense. So uh, I'm very excited about his breakaway numbers as a big back, and and I like the fit a lot. He is a north-south runner, and we know what that offense is going to be. It's going to be a ton of zone read with Mariota, 
get you know get your running back to go north south and Algier can can definitely do that. Um, I think it's a great fit. Uh, Ty Davis Price to me, I want to get you guys. Uh, this is my theory: is like they drafted Ty Davis Price because obviously their running back depth is not great. But I, I, this whole thing with Debo, there's like a little fire where the smoke is. I think Debo legitimately just doesn't want to play as much running back. And I think that makes a ton of sense from his perspective. So I think they they went out and kind of got a bigger back to complement Elijah. Uh, that's at least my theory. But it, it's it was wild to see Ty Davis Price's stock, man. Like he, I I didn't see anybody talking about him literally at all in March. And then you know Daniel Jeremiah puts him in his top 150. Dame Brugler has him at like eight or nine in his ranks. He started getting a little bit of steam. Chris uh, Sims had him at running back five. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, there was definitely quite a bit of steam. And then Shanahan's like one of the best running back evaluators ever. So uh, I definitely put some stock in that for sure. Trade up for uh, Trey Sermon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Runs with a piano on his back. Oh, God. Uh, he, he got Elijah Mitchell, though, in the same draft. So He yeah. did. Hey, you know. Yeah. yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah. This is the, was Shanahan there when they drafted uh, Joe Williams? Is that the guy? Yeah. He traded up for Joe Williams, I think. Yeah, that was his first draft. I love Joe Williams too. <laughs> big womp womp on that. Joe Williams just he didn't want to play football anymore. I mean, he he like retired during college. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a red flag. <laughs> I, 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 to, to talk to your point, I know you're asking about where you're getting away from this, Graham. I actually do think that's probably a pretty reasonable assumption. And I think it's funny that like all offseason, we were on Twitter talking about running backs don't matter and they shouldn't be paid more than minimum wage. And then Debo's like, I don't think I want to play running back. We're like, I can't believe this is happening. So, yeah. and totally, I do think in those role reports, like that's what Rapport was talking about. Like he just doesn't want to play the role he's in. And if that's the case, then like, that's basically their RB2 gone. That's how much we saw Debo use last year. And the RB2 is not going to be Trey Sermon. Like that dude might – like he, he'll be gone in a year or two. So might, I do think this is just – they're two, right? This he, probably he, just I think RB2. Trey Sermon could get cut. Like, it yeah, could totally he, happen. He could get cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a couple other guys kind of in this running back mix uh, that I think are interesting. Um, Zamir White, uh, his college career is like – it's very tough because he's the number one running back recruit in the nation, tears both ACLs before he touches the ball in college. Didn't have a great career, but how much does that matter given the context? Uh, Pierre Strong, I think, is kind of interesting. Buried now, but could be. Damian Harris is a free agent after the year, so he could be kind of interesting. Brian Robinson gets drafted in the in the third. Um, any thoughts on those guys? Brian Robinson is interesting that Washington spent a top 100 pick on another big back, and they brought back J.D. McKissick. Like I, I, you know, I think we're as a fantasy community, we all love Antonio Gibson. We all love his story, but if we just like follow the tea leaves, like Washington is not as nearly as high on Gibson as as we want them to be. I, I still haven't really wrapped my head around the Robinson pick and what kind of role he's going to play, but I think it, it says a lot about how they feel about Gibson. I, I feel I feel pretty strongly about that. I thought Samir White's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, it, it takes some sort of peering into his profile to see anything that's really that notable. Uh, like you said, recruit then doesn't really get a ton of playing time, but he also played in a backfield that was crowded with like Swift. But he wasn't so, that good either. That's the thing. Yeah. He's a good athlete, but he wasn't like great as a running back. Yo, I think the you, thing is like you're throwing a third round dart because the class gets pretty weak pretty quickly, and they've got Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake on expiring contracts, neither of whom are, are going to be brought back next year. And you know that's something that like we'll see some sort of some sort of blip on the radar after this coming season, where like what if he can what if he can be the team's lead back, and then they probably draft another running mm-hmm. back anyways. But like those are the types of guys you're taking shots on in the end of the third or middle of the third wherever he's going. 
Yeah. Samir White to me was a pile mover. Mm-hmm. Like he had no burst. It, you know, and it's those two popped ACLs, Pat. I mean, he it's unfortunate, but you know, you pop your ACLs that early, both of them. I, I just didn't see much burst. It kind of blew my mind. He ran as fast as he did at the combine, but you know, obviously running forty, at, you know, that fast track is a lot different than getting getting hit by defenders trying to get around defenders in the SEC. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's, let's close out with a, a few of the wide receivers um, that we haven't talked about yet. I mentioned David Bell, John Mechie, Alec Pierce, Jalen Tolbert, Wandale Robinson. You could throw Tyquan Thornton in there. Uh, any thoughts on, on those guys as kind of second? I think they're all kind of in the second-round mix. Jalen um, Tolbert's kind of interesting. I, I think Jalen Tolbert, if he finds the right role for himself in the NFL, like he's probably not ascending his depth chart more than wide receiver three, but like – you know, if he's the the deep shot specialist for, for Dak Prescott, yeah, that's that's at least something like I will be firing shots on as opposed to like like Tyquan Thornton, who I think is a, probably a good player, probably just does the same thing for a run heavy, less talented quarterback team in New England. So I'll just I take the Tolbert. I, I think that's at least interesting, although all these guys have cap ceilings. They're role players, but if they're good enough at their role, it could be fantasy relevant. I think Tolbert's probably among the top of the names you just listed, which are not that interesting. You have Amari Cooper gone and Michael Gallup coming off like a severe late season injury. I mean, Jalen Tolbert's yeah. got some opportunity there right away. Yep. Um, so Gallup Gallup was one of the comps for him for me as well. I, so it's like really oh wow. interesting. Yeah. Um, Alec Pierce. I mean, he he got the draft capital. I mean, you know, I I thought he had a chance to fall to like third or fourth round. But he went like in a solid second round probably by a pretty good drafter and, and Chris Ballard with the Colts. And they have a ton of opportunity opposite Michael Pittman. It's, it's really adding up really nicely for Michael Pittman in Indianapolis. But Alec Pierce, great landing spot. Wondell Robinson was the strangest pick of the draft. You know, I mean, up there. I know, Karain, you're a Giants fan. How, were, were you loving that pick or what? I'm not a Giants fan. but I thought you were a Giants fan. I live in yeah, New he's York. a Bears fan. He's big on Bayless. I I, uh, I don't have a team. I I I did root for the Rich Gannon Raiders back when they had all the old guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Delaware. Which I went to Delaware. But uh, nice. but ever since uh, Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, and Rich Gannon all retired at the same time, uh, I haven't had a team. I used to be a St. Louis Rams fan, and then you know the the corporate corporate <laughs> pulled them away, took them to Los Angeles. 
money comes first. So yeah, I, I don't have a team either. My fantasy team is who I root for. Yeah, that's that's there the best go. way to do it. Yeah. But it does feel like a weird amount of draft capital to spend on a message to Kadarius Tony that he better show up to voluntary workouts is uh <laughs> is kind of how it feels. But uh Wanda Robinson, I mean, he does have like a pretty good production profile, even though he's kind of this hybrid type of player. His like career numbers in terms of yardage share are really good, uh, decently efficient. He he was an early declare. He's just tiny, and then he didn't he wasn't athletic. But the athleticism is supposed to primarily, I think, um, predict draft position. Really, you know, like we we don't have a great track record, and this is why I, I like David Bell too. Is like once the draft position comes in play, just completely writing off a guy because he's not athletic isn't usually a good call. Because the you know if the team if the team likes him despite the fact that he's not super athletic that can that could be a sign that he's really good at football, but I don't know Robinson's size still makes me a little bit skeptical, and this is it's not like crowded because the Giants are so so good at wide receiver but they have like a bunch of guys who can be kind of a number three option at least so uh, I, I don't see like a ton of targets filtering his way as a rookie. Wando yeah. Robinson listed at 5'11 on the Kentucky website is actually 5'8. <laughs> so bad. Is it, uh, was it Prashad Perriman or Kevin White who got just like what their agent just bumped their age down one year? Just a little clerical error. Just not. I think age. it was Kevin White, wasn't it? And then John Moore like solved the riddle going back and looking at oh, birthday wishes. That's or something right. Like that. That's right. Yeah. We did. There was this whole thing where everyone had the wrong age for Kevin White. And then we had to be like, this really matters. <laughs> yeah, Wandale's the same way. He just pulls up a sw- his, his like Tinder profile, and he's like, "I'm about five eleven. I haven't checked recently." But it's about- I, to be to be fair, that is on Tinder. <laughs> All right, I haven't gotten anyone to say something nice about David Bell. Are you guys just out? I'll go. I'll go for David Bell. I actually really think David Bell is sort of like like he has the the Wandale Robinson analytical profile in that if you just look at, at spreadsheets and you don't see him in person or see him run a forty, which takes a very long time. You think like, oh, this guy should be a stud, like three-year Big Ten producer, like over 100 yards per game in both of his final two seasons, I believe. Looks like a great producer. And I'm sort of willing to overlook the athletic profile as like a non-starter, right? Like I think he ran like a 4-6 something, and that's not particularly good. But you look at like some of the good slot receivers, like your Jarvis Landry's and Tyler Boyd's, who I think like that's the upside case for him. And those guys have been really productive in spots. He's, he's probably not ever going to be a number one, but he could be a really solid, like number one slot, sort of de facto number one. And his production only points to that. Like he just has elite production across the board. So I think the athleticism, like you said, it does a really good job of predicting draft capital. But then you look at like some of the best receivers in recent years have been like Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, who had like slow forties or whatever, but their numbers are great. And if you can produce at a super high level in college, it tells us something more than running a 40 in like gym shorts at a, like, you know, on, on a track, just hand timed straight line can. So I like David Bell. I don't like all guys. I don't know if his ceiling is really here at this point, but I think his median outcome is probably really good for a guy you can get in the second round. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's close it there. Thanks guys. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Evan, tell the people what they can find over at establish a run. I know you guys have got the projections already. Uh, accounted for for the draft and everything, telling Leone to move Kenneth Walker down. What, what, what can the people find? No, Leone already had him way down. <laughs> Nobody needed to tell Leone to move Kenneth Walker down. Um, I got my uh, draft grades up. Our draft kit is going to be released uh, sometime next week. I'll have my top 150 up. Um, so we're we're jumping into it, man. I mean, it's shit's starting to get real now. It really is. 
Graham, what can uh, what can the people find at Fantasy Points? Yeah, we're grinding on best ball rankings, getting projections up right now. Uh, I'm going to finish up my yards created breakdown. I'll have that up next week. Uh, I'll be adding a couple backs to the database, like Ty Davis Price. I'm going to go back and watch uh, Keontae Ingram, too. Cardinals uh, mm. drafted him. So a couple guys I'm going to add to the database for sure next couple weeks. And, yeah, like Evan said, man, it's it's go time. I'm, uh, I've already fired into, like, 16 underdog drafts. I'm, I'm going, going full <laughs> I mean, It's May 4th, man. you, you got to – you got to put up or shut up at this point and uh, get in and get get the best values possible. It's true. If you're not drafting before the NFL releases their schedule, like, do you even yeah. watch football? What are you even doing with your life? I mean, come on. Friends, <laughs> family. Ah, ah. Something in your phone all day. <laughs> Kyle, what we got on the side these days? Uh, I think the next thing coming up is USFL content. So if you like looking at like dynasty wide receiver three day three type of guys who might not make their team boy, do I have a league for you? Uh, these are the types of players you want. And there, it still looks like it's a pretty beatable DFS and betting market. So I'll, I'll have some content coming up later this week on that. Awesome. I just had my dynasty ranks, my rookie ranks uh, on the site yesterday. So you can check those out. Got some, got some notes on, on guys that you might be think are a little too high, a little too low, but yeah, good luck in your rookie drafts. And uh, thanks again, guys, for joining me. And we'll see you guys next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.